Most everyone's like, oh, this is the best four years of her life and this is gonna be amazing. And you know, first of all, it's just not true. You know, I mean, it can be great. It can be the best four years of her life, but it's not gonna have without like issues. Coming up on Carolina Connection, UNC System Schools invest in improving student mental health resources. Good morning, I'm Savannah Gunter. And I'm Sophie Mallinson. Also this morning, Carolina law students protest the ban of a classmate on campus. Transgender UNC students call for more inclusivity due to increasing anti-LGBTQ legislation. A look into the work that goes into actors nailing down different accents. An Arts Everywhere Day brings student artists together. This is the haiku that Ramses wrote. I am a cool Ram. I like to watch games and dance. What is your passion? From the UNC Hussman School of Journalism and Media, this is Carolina Connection. Thanks for joining us. As we approach Mental Health Awareness Month in May, college campuses have become a hotspot for advocacy. In March, Governor Cooper proposed a billion-dollar investment to address the state's mental health and substance use crises. And in February, the UNC System Office held its sixth annual behavioral health convening. But this comes at a time of struggle for some students. As a warning, this story contains mentions of suicide. NC State's campus has lost five students to suicide this school year, and NCSU junior Connor Hayes says for him it's taking an emotional toll. It's weird, especially because like the few days like following an event, I am lucky enough to have not known anybody like that was like that was affected by it. I personally was not affected by it in that aspect, but I guess there is like this like looming like this looming thought that like, okay, it could happen. Hayes says while it's hard to talk about, students are feeling the weight of the situation. Getting that kind of email is never easy, but he says he wishes there had been more of a discussion. It was just like, hey, like we had a death over the weekend, like we're like sorry for the loss, um, and but it you know just class as usual. But every like every student knows the deaths at state came as the UNC system was discussing the mental health situation on campuses statewide. While the system's discussions weren't a direct response to the NC State suicides, they highlighted the extent of the statewide mental health crisis. The UNC System's Director of Student Affairs, Susie Baker, says this year's focus is on connection coming out of the pandemic. Regardless of the efforts that you make in a virtual world, they are still somewhat disjointed and disconnected, and so this was an opportunity to sort of come together again and think about how can we collaborate um, to, to build a better student mental health approach across all of our campuses. Baker says money from the 2021 Governor's Emergency Education Relief Fund is allowing UNC system campuses to implement both reaction and prevention resources, including telehealth, off-campus counseling, and resilience training. We're training people to think differently. We're training people to understand circumstances, to be more aware, um, and confident in addressing mental health issues. Baker says college is a formative experience for a lot of students, so finding support is crucial, both for mental health professionals and fellow students too. Peer education, peer mentorship, uh, peer support, peer leadership, those are all really important components of student mental health. Students know exactly what their peers are experiencing. At UNC Chapel Hill, one place students can find peer support is through Mental Health Ambassadors, or MHA. The student ambassadors train with CAPS to support the student body and serve as a network for connection and mental health resources. MHA's secretary, sophomore Lily Ogden, says a lot of support can come from sharing honest experiences. 
most everyone's like, oh, this is the best four years of your life and this is going to be amazing. And, you know, first of all, it's just not true. You know, I mean, it can be great. It can be the best four years of your life, but it's not going to have without like issues. And especially with the pandemic and just social media and intense classes like that all can kind of culminate together to create like a storm in your mind. Today, there's an opportunity on UNC's campus to find support. Ogden says MHA's Out of the Darkness Walk is a way to connect. There's still such a stigma around talking about mental health. Um, but this is one way to provide a safe, inclusive space for people to come and share their experiences and bond with other people who have gone through similar experiences or who have lost somebody. The event will kick off at Graham Memorial today at 1 p.m. Participants can walk for free to support suicide prevention efforts, and donations will go toward the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. If you're going through a difficult time and want to reach out to somebody who can help, you can call the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. Its new number is 988. The UNC Board of Governors' compelled speech policy has taken effect. According to University Human Resources, the new policy prohibits asking job and student applicants for statements regarding their political affiliations or attitudes towards social issues. This includes prohibiting diversity, equity, and inclusion statements. But in a Monday faculty town hall, participants expressed concern over the policy's enforcement. Chair-elect of the UNC System's Staff Assembly, Shana Hill. I wanted to give everybody a real-life example of a question that has recently been removed from a staff posting, and this is the question. How would you contribute to an inclusive culture among students and coworkers? I don't know that I have any words. UNC Media Relations reiterated a previous statement from Chancellor Kevin Guskowitz about the policy, saying the university remains committed to the value of diversity. Though the chancellor did not attend the Monday meeting, it had a humble in-person attendance of around 25 people, but over 160 attended through Zoom. Several speakers questioned the policy's potential chilling effect on speech, like law professor Tom Kelly. It it strikes me as uh, patently obvious and would be patently obvious to a first-year law student uh, that the regulation that was drawn up by the the governing board uh, is uh, unconstitutionally vague. We're a room full of reasonably smart people, and we can't figure out by reading that policy what the heck we're allowed to say. Others, like law professor Ted Shaw, emphasized what he says is the policy's weighty First Amendment issues. I'll be damned and I'll be double damned if these folks are going to tell me what I can say and can't say. The faculty may give hypothetical application questions to the university council, saying they need detailed reasonings for what makes some questions unacceptable. On Thursday afternoon, UNC students walked out of class to protest the decision to ban law student Jamie Marsicano from campus. Hannah Noel has more. Jamie's not in class! We are not in class! If Jamie's not in class, we are not in class! Alongside faculty and community members, dozens of students marched from the law school to South Building to speak and deliver their petition pushing for her return to campus. The decision came after Marsicano was arrested for domestic terrorism in Georgia, along with 23 other people. They were protesting the construction of a police training center. Police footage shows protesters setting fire to equipment and throwing rocks, but Marsicano's lawyer Bob Rubin says she was not one of these protesters. Fellow students and friends of Marsicano spoke to the crowd gathered at South Building, sharing uplifting stories about Marsicano and making their arguments for why they feel that her ban is unjust. One student, Nada Mergani, shared her experience with Marzicano. I'm a student at North Carolina Central University who knew Jamie before she came to the law school. Jamie is incredible. 
there there are no words to describe it. When I got diagnosed with type one diabetes, Jamie helped pay for my medication. She fundraised for me and supported me. When I got arrested in the 2020 protest, Jamie helped me obtain a lawyer so that I could go on to apply for my master's. Students at the protest hope university officials reconsider their decision. Marsicana was released on bond in March and is keeping up with her classes virtually. In Chapel Hill, I'm Hannah Noel. In recent years, electric scooters, or e-scooters, have become a part of many UNC students' college experience. However, a new study has found that as the two-wheeled technology increases in popularity, so does the number of injuries and accidents. A potential solution may be creating infrastructure designed for e-scooter use. Henry Taylor reports. The sound of wheels rattling across the bricks of UNC's sidewalks has become much more common in recent years. To pedestrians, it's a signal to step out of the way, as it means an electric scooter is likely inbound. So on the side here, I turn it on, and then I have to go about three miles per hour in order to accelerate, and then the brake is on the left-hand side. UNC sophomore Nyla Smith is one of many students who use a scooter to get to class. The vehicle has fundamentally changed her college experience. I definitely can sleep in longer. It gets me to my classes faster, and it's very convenient for me. In 2010, Innovations in small lithium batteries led to the first electric scooter. Since then, they have become more efficient and less expensive. However, as this new mode of transportation becomes more common, so too do associated injuries. One of the bricks were missing and I flew off my scooter. I basically got five stitches and I had a concussion, but other than that, that was about it. Smith is far from the only student to have been injured while riding their scooter. First-year Maddie May says she was hurt after having an on-scooter wardrobe malfunction. No one's fault. Uh, no one was near me, even close to me. I was going through a gate and my sweatshirt got caught on a gate and my scooter came to a halt and I flew forward on the cement. Um, I have, that's from, it, it was way worse. And then my thigh and my hand was all jacked up, but it was fine. May says that she understands the importance of staying vigilant to avoid crashing into pedestrians they get the priority because they're the pedestrians. So I usually try to be considerate about that, but I think a lot of people aren't always aware that like scooters and bikes are coming. So it makes it challenging sometimes, but not too bad. Late last year, the university published a statement saying e-scooters are not allowed on campus sidewalks. However, the university's transportation and parking ordinance lists no consequences for doing so. Making e-scooter use safer won't just come down to infrastructure that exists to support the vehicles. Laura Sant is a researcher with the UNC Highway Safety Research Center. She was recently involved in a national study focused on the types of injuries that have become more prevalent as e-scooters have become widespread, and what steps towns and cities can take to reduce them. The big takeaway from the research project was that the cities that have had the best um, success in terms of accommodating e-scooters um, without having as big of a you know, rise in conflicts and challenges with the sidewalk space. She says that while pedestrians may feel unsafe with scooters sharing the sidewalks, it is where those riders feel safest. And a lot of that um, in the studies that were published um, was a result of the riders not feeling safe sharing the road with with faster moving vehicles. 